Hey, welcome back to the SoFlow Vegans podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And we also encourage you to share and subscribe and leave a review. We, we appreciate that so much. On this episode, we did an interview with Richard Kudo, who is the founder of ARM, Animal Recovery Mission. Also on this episode, we have a special guest host, our media coordinator, Alba Mendez. As a little note, we did have some technical challenges with our audio in certain points, so if you notice anything a little off, um, just giving you fair warning. Other than that, we had a great time interviewing them. We actually did some video that we'll be putting out um, at another time, but um, you should be able to get a lot of valuable information about their mission, what they're up to, and how you can get involved. So without further ado, enjoy the episode. social media coordinator for SoFlo Vegans, and we have a very special guest today. We, let me introduce you to Kudo. Kudo is the founder of ARM Animal Recovery Missions. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So Kudo, go ahead. How did this organization start? Um, you know, I used to be a, um, in my previous life, I was a developer, uh, a builder in South Beach in Miami. <clears throat> and through friends, I used to donate a bit of capital to a, a charity, uh, the South Florida SPCA, who's mainly horse rescue in South Florida in, in the greater Miami area. And one day, I just went out to the farm to see um, you know, what it was like and the horses and some of the animals. And very slowly, I started to get reeled in um, to the animal world that I have really wasn't a part of for, for some time. Um, grew up with horses and a lot of different animals, um, and it was nice to, uh, to get around those animals again. So I went out and I would volunteer at the SPCA and clean stalls and do what I could for the animals um, on the property, and then I went on an investigation uh, just as an extra pair of hands for, for one of the investigators from the SPCA. And we went to an illegal slaughterhouse in an area called the C9 Basin, which is uh, the western fringe of the um, greater Miami area, basically that abuts the Florida Everglades, oh. right? And it's really a no man's land of a lot of, a, a real melting pot of bad guys in that area. All it really consists of is an illegal animal fighting, illegal slaughterhouses, illegal horse slaughter, ritualistic practice, uh, Sacrificing animals for, for religion. Um, anything from Santeria, Palameombe, mainly at Santeria, Palameombe, um, some of the Caribbean religions. Before you go on, can you explain a little bit what Santeria and what was the other one, Palameombe? Palameombe. Palameombe. What is that? These, um, these are religions that were basically developed um, in the Congo, in Africa, and then certain spins have been, have been brought upon the religions by. Um, some of the Caribbean islands, okay. um, also Cuba, um, you know, Haiti, the Dominican, Puerto Rico. Um, but some of the Cubans have really put a, a violent spin on the religions. Violent, I'm speaking of how they treat and sacrifice the animals. Extremely violent, extremely torturous. Um, so after seeing that and experiencing it, real time with my own eyes on how they, how they treat 
um, and sacrifice these animals, we started to just get into it and investigate it. And we are um, really enemy number one for the, the Santeria Church. Wow. Um, ARM being the, the number one animal organization throughout the world that really concentrates on investigating um, the crimes attributed to the animals in, that, in these types of religions. We work very closely with the NYPD in New York and have a, a cooperative relationship. NYPD um, in Manhattan and, and, and some of the boroughs in New York are the foremost expert law enforcement for um, the sacrificial trade. And um, ARM, as I said, are the experts in the nonprofit world. So we've really come together and created a, uh, an interesting working relationship that law enforcement usually doesn't have with nonprofit organizations. Interesting. So ARM is a nonprofit organization that is now national, nationally and international. Correct. Well. Yeah. Hmm. So with these religions, Santeria and the other one that I cannot pronounce. Palameon Bea. Palameon Bea. Um, why, what is the purpose of them sacrificing the animal? Well, it's for, it's for their gods, right? They're in, in those two religions and, and many religions throughout the world. Animals are sacrificed to appease the gods, to appease the gods. Okay. Um, and quote unquote, at times, to feed the gods. So literally, the people in the Santeria religion think that, that if they don't sacrifice that dog, or that cat, or that goat, or sheep, that that god can't eat and can't survive. Um, a god. Right. And powerful. Correct, yeah. Um, and that god also won't grant certain wishes to those people. They literally think if they, if they torture an animal and sacrifice it, that they're going to be granted wishes. Um, it's so incredible to think that that mentality still exists okay, yes. in the world. Um, and you know, listen, hundreds, thousands of years ago, people used to do this to people, right? Sacrifice, yeah, sacrifice humans. The the Absolutely. Um, but fortunately for people, that's been outlawed throughout the world. But unfortunately for animals, they've been overlooked. So what we are doing is we are collecting evidence and we're going to be working, we, we are working with the Animal Legal Defense Fund and we're going to be bringing it back to the Supreme Court in DC, um, showing them our evidence, showing the Supreme Court judges our evidence um, and how torturous it is for these animals and needless. And hopefully a national law will be passed for not to outlaw the religions, not to outlaw Santeria, Palomeombe, or any other religion, but to outlaw the sacrificial um, torture of the animals for those gods, which I think we all know is needless. That's true, but how do you combat that, or how do you change somebody's mind who has grown up in this religion, or they so fear fearlessly hold on to this belief? Well, just how it was done for outlawing uh, sacri sacrificial purposes when they did it to people. It's a slow progress, it's a slow process. Um, but a big part of it is education. Yes. So showing the greater public what these animals go through, um, how they're sacrificed, and what, what's happening to their bodies as well, because their bodies are being thrown like garbage all over the city of Miami and many cities in the United States. Our, tra our railroad tracks are littered with sacrificed animals. The intersections are sacrificed animals just everywhere. Um, so not only do you have the torture of the animal, but you have an, a, a nuisance problem now of decaying corpses, bodies, in 
public view all over our city in Miami, again, all over, all over many metropolitan cities and zones throughout the United States and throughout the world, which is creating a, an environmental and health hazard for people as well. Definitely, because you have flies, you get maggots, plus you get scavengers. It's disease. It's yeah. So it is like a full circle of things that are happening. Mm -hmm. You have the emotional part of it, you have the animal suffering, and now you also have the environmental issues that can uh, affect human and wildlife alike. Yeah, and, and it, you know, it, and it's not just the sacrifice of animals, it's um, the killing of all animals, whether it's in factory farms, mm -hmm. illegal slaughterhouses, mm -hmm. um, you know, backyard slaughter operations. A lot of these animals are being slaughtered. The blood's entering the the going right into the to the ground ground wells, um, contaminating our water supply. Um, they're being disposed of improperly. The waste from the animal, um, as we know from factory farms, the the pools and pools, the acres of 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 waste pools. Um, they're environmentally for the environment alone. Forget about the animal cruelty and the health hazards for people. Um, but what it's doing on doing to our environment is is extreme stuff, and it needs to be looked at closer by everyone. Hmm. By this time, when you decided to start farm, were you a vegan at that time already? I was not. No, I was a meat eater. I'm, I, I'm very similar to um, I'm very uh, a lot of myself and a lot of people at Arm. I think are very relatable to a lot of people out there that are meat eaters. Um, because because most of us have been meat eaters. I'm a vegan for three years now. A lot of the thank you. A lot of the people in the organization are fairly new vegans. That's very interesting. So we we can relate to people that are meat eaters, and we can also relate to people that are interested in it, right? Um, for for myself, it was a slow process. Mm -hmm. First, it was dairy. Actually, first it was pig, pork because I had some pigs. Then it was dairy, because I looked into the industry, and dairy is the number one most brutal industry on the face of the earth for animals. No, nothing compares, and I've been undercover in everything. No, it's nothing but rapes, it's yeah. killing the babies, then it's killing, it's pretty much genocide of male calves. Yeah, it, it's long-term torture is what it is, mm -hmm. which is the biggest issue for me. Yeah. Um, so the, the slaughter of the animal, um, Listen, many times that can be a fairly quicker process. So a lot of the slaughtered animals are um, a year old, if not maybe a little older or a little bit younger. The dairy cows are forcibly kept alive um, and tortured. So the long-term torture, and then when they can't produce milk any longer, then they enter the process. So imagine when they, can't, when they, when they can no longer stand. So imagine being a little bit older, and being the sickest that you've ever been in your entire life. Your tired body then, then enters the auctions, the transportations, the slaughterhouses, the feedlots. Because um, mostly the beef industry um, outside taking away the dairy cows, these are young cows entering the beef industry, right? Most of these cows are healthy. But imagine that dairy cow and there are millions of them, millions upon millions, that enter the beef industry. Um, I couldn't imagine being being so you know you know being being the sickest that I've ever been, and then entering that process. How hellish! After and after living a life of hell indoors, right? After being brutalized. After being used, after used, after used. 
Yeah, so people, people that are vegetarian, it's, it's why I started offing the dairy out of my diet before most of the meat is because I educated myself on it. People that are, people that are vegetarian and still consuming milk and cheese and everything else don't understand they haven't educated themselves because if they did, one of the first things that they would have cut out of their diet is dairy. Not only for the animal cruelty, but there's nothing worse and hardcore for our environment than the dairy industry. And as an ex-athlete, there's nothing more, more brutal that I could put in my body um, and poisonous than dairy. Um, it is so incredibly um, hard on the human, the human system, um, the inflammation that it creates, the, just everything. There is just nothing good about it. As a nurse who works in, in, in a hospital, mm -hmm. and I've been a nurse for about seven years, I've done ER, I've done orthopedics, I've done in the cath lab. Pretty much one of the biggest things that we have, people with cystic fibrosis, for example, that's an overaccumulation of mucus mm -hmm. in the body, especially in the lung tissue, you need to cut out dairy because dairy not only causes inflammation, which is uncomfortable for you to breathe, but at the same time, it makes you produce more mucus. It's yeah. one of the best one of the first things when uh, you have cystic fibrosis, mm -hmm. you have an over-accumulation of mucus. Yeah. And you need to take treatments to throw that mucus out. Sure. Then you also have the autoimmune disease, like lupus, all of those joint issues, joint disorders, and then the dairy industry has been polluting our minds for years saying, yeah. got milk. Yeah. Milk is the number one source of protein. Milk is a clean, uh-uh. Well, also, you know, on that, on that milk carton, you have... You know, the mother, the mother cow next to her calf in a green pasture with the red barn. And they're painting a false picture, right? As you just said, but, but not just with, with health, um, with everything. And when I grew up, I would sit there and eat my cereal, and that carton of milk was right on our table. Um, and I would look at the images. And I, would, I believed it mm -hmm. until I was, God, um, in my 30s. And once I started to look at it, and I, once I started to look at the, the other side of it, behind closed doors, um, I was shocked. And I was more than upset because I knew that I had been lied to for so long, which is part of the reason why ARM has wrapped, around, wrapped its arms around the dairy industry to basically break open the door and spotlight it. So we just did, last year, we did the largest dairy investigation in history of our planet. And we went undercover, and this was our first factory farm investigation in Okeechobee, Florida. And we went simultaneously, we sent workers into four dairies, mm -hmm. um, all different stages, two large, large factory farm dairies, yes. some of the largest in the, in the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, Larson Dairy and MacArthur Dean Foods. Um, and then we went into a borderline family-owned farm, organic farm, uh, called Burnham Dairy. Um, and then we went into immediate-sized uh, dairy with roughly 4,000 cows. So what our plan was to go public every two weeks on these dairies um, and to show people not only are the brutalities happening in the large factory farms, but they're also happening in that middle-stage dairy they're also happening in that small family farm. Of course. They have to make a profit. Yeah. Um, but listen, there's no humane way to treat a dairy cow. No such thing. So that was our plan. And boy, did it work. No, 
and, and we hit the dairy industry harder than it has ever been hit, ever. And we created a lot of change from it. Um, so, of course, after seeing, um, after seeing the good that we did, we are you know, going to be going undercover in that industry over and over and over. We've read a, we've read a couple statistics saying that, uh, at least in the U.S., uh, and I'm not talking about Europe or Australia, but at least in the U.S., the, the production of milk has dropped because people don't want it anymore. Sure. Because I'm guessing the work that you guys are doing, the work of other activists are shining the light more on the dairy industry or even in the meat industry as well. Mm -hmm. How, what do you feel about that? Do you feel like that's accurate? Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think it's real. It's teamwork, mm -hmm. right? It's the undercover investigator is extremely important to show what's going on behind closed doors. And going on, what what the dairy showing what the what the dairy industry has been lying about for decades and decades, and then you have the activists and the people that are educating, that are taking our video, yes. and going out and showing it to the public, whether it be whether it be at you know fairs or street side or you know any type of functions, vegan, vegetarian, um, you know fairs, things of that nature, and um, and then you have the companies that are developing products that are similar to dairy, such as almond milk, the replacement products, Correct. the plant-based products. Without those, it would be extremely hard for people to, 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 to basically drop dairy completely. Mm -hmm. So now that we have these amazing products, it's the reason why it was so, so easy for me as a meat eater and monster dairy consumer to leave those products behind is because almond milks and the coconut milks and the new cheeses and the new yogurts, plant-based, they're better than the products made with dairy. Yes. And what I did is I went out and I purchased every milk possible, rice milks, coconut milks, almond milks, unsweetened, sweetened, and I tried everything. Until you found what you liked. Exactly. And when I got to that almond milk that was unsweetened, I'm like, wow, I love this is better than milk. That was it for me. And then I went to the yogurts, and I went to the cheeses, and I said, wow, these cheeses and these yogurts, plant-based, are better than what I've been consuming for 30 years. And it's better for me. And there's no more animal, no more animal abuse. Like, how incredible. Why isn't everyone doing this, if I can do it? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it, was just, it was an eye-opener. So pretty much, uh what we always say, don't knock it until you try it. Yeah. And you have to do your research, especially if you're going to go into the vegan lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Because if you have been, like you said, a consumer of any type of animal product, obviously it's not going to click right then and there. You do have to try it out. It's yeah. like a big recommendation there for pretty much anybody, any of our listeners who are listening at the moment or watching us. Go ahead and if you're trying to make the transition, you're finding hard, go ahead and go to the store, buy anything and everything that you see, mm -hmm. trial and error. Try it, which one works for you. You gotta taste test. You got to. And people, you know, it's it's the, the, the meats that are plant-based that taste so similar to regular meat now. Mm -hmm. Um they, you know, people will try it without seasoning it, without doing what they would do to regular meat. Exactly. And they'll say, oh, you know, this, isn't, this is no good. I'm like, wait a second, you have to prepare it just like you would, you know, your normal dish that you've been eating for however long, your, your normal steak. Once you do that, it's gonna be very similar. And they do that and they take the time to cook it right and season it and then they sit back and say, wow, okay, you're right, this is awesome. So let's go in a, a different direction. When you started ARM, how long has your organization been in, in the works? We started ARM, I started ARM in 2010. Okay. Um, and I started it 
because basically I, I investigated an area called the C9 Basin, um, and I went to government to shut down the slaughterhouses, to shut down the animal fighting rings. So you went to government? To government, yeah. I went to the I went to law enforcement, the Miami-Dade Police Department. I went to the U. I went to the USDA. I went to environmental agencies, and I asked for a meeting. And at that point in time, I was all over TV because I exposed the illegal horse slaughter industry in Miami. So the network started to wrap their arms around those stories, wrapping their arms around myself as a spokesperson for the SPCA at the time. So I had, I had elected officials' attention because of the media, because I was all over television. They knew that I was a threat to them yeah. because of that. So they came in for a meeting, and they looked at the, the size of the issue and said, kudo, can't help you out. It's not going to happen. We're not going to shut these places down. Why? Because it was too big of an issue. It was too big of an issue. Yeah, and they didn't think that the media would even expose it, okay, until CNN came in. CNN came in and started doing documentary after documentary on it and exposing it to the world and exposing what the government of South Florida was trying to hide to the greater public. What they were not doing. What they weren't doing. What they wouldn't do. What they were too scared to do. Um, a law enforcement agency that is afraid of what? They were afraid to go in and investigate the illegal slaughterhouses and the animal fighting operations in the C9 Basin in Miami. Why? Because of the, of the, of the threat issue to, not to the officers, putting themselves in jeopardy of going undercover and collecting evidence. They didn't want to put their officers in jeopardy to um, basically investigate animal cruelty. It wasn't worth it to them. And this, and this zone wasn't worth it to them either. They thought that it was such a forgotten zone. It was so overtaken by the Wajitos, the, the, the Cuban countrymen okay. um, in that area that it was just too big of a... Um, Risk without too much gain. Yeah, basically, until we demanded it. Um, and I started demanding it through the SPCA, and the SPCA started getting political threats from... Miami elected officials that their funding would be pulled. Wow. And they also started getting death threats from the people that I was investigating. So they basically asked me, you either throw away your files and stop investigating this, these cases and be a normal board of investigator, normal um, board member with us, or you separate yourself, you leave. So of course, I was at the point where... Um, well, well, no, I wasn't. It, I, I had put so much time and energy, and I knew what the animals were going through in these farms, that I wasn't going to stop investigating them until they were shut down. So that's why Animal Recovery Mission came to fruition. Um, not because I wanted to, but because at the time I had to. And I would say at, right after we started ARM, within two months, led the largest tactical raid in U.S. history. In two months? in two months. And we raided the C9 Basin with enforcement. We closed over 75 illegal slaughterhouses. 75? 75. Um, federal officials flew in from DC. There were hundreds, if not thousands, of agents that raided the C9 Basin. How did you manage to do this within two months? It was, it was, it was teamwork. It was really the, 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 investig the undercover investigator, which at the time was myself, I was the only guy out there, and it was the media. It shows you how important the media is 
to expose issues, to make people get off their butts and do their work in government. Special elected officials. So when their constituents are watching a show, seeing what they are neglecting, and the voting time is months away, it lights a fire under the bus. Damn right it does. And that's exactly what happened there. That's what you did. Um, so when it all came to, uh, to an end, we closed down animal fighting operations, animal sacrifice properties, and illegal slaughterhouses, probably close to 100. We, sh we tore down over 700 illegal buildings. 700 illegal buildings. Bull bulldozed them. Unbelievable. To the ground, yeah. And we brought the C9 Basin back to what it originally was, was a protected environmental buffer zone to the Florida Everglades. That's amazing. It is amazing. Unfortunately, over the past 10 years, um, enforcement, again, has dropped the ball. And some of the operations are back into the swing of things, slowly. So there is, again, a small industry there that are, again, killing horses, that are slaughtering all animals, um, including dogs and cats for santeria, farm animals for, um, for human consumption. And the, the way that they're being slaughtered is so vile. Um, it's uh, it's head-turning. Wow. So um, again, we are going to be going in undercover there once again and um, exposing it. Um, and again, showing what government is turning their heads to. You mentioned that many of these religions say don't discriminate against the animal. It could be any type of animal, anywhere from a pig to a tiny chihuahua. You got it. Um, actually, now we're seeing the more, we're seeing a lot of wildlife as well. So the more, I want to say extinct the animal is, the more powerful they feel as though that sacrifice will be. So they're getting their hands now on manatees. Manatees? Manatees, yeah. They're getting their hands on eagles, on protected hawks. They're getting their hands on full-grown African lions we, we're seeing that are being sacrificed. Um, panthers, um, anything and everything. But the, but the, the more, quote-unquote, powerful the animal, such as a horse or an African lion, the more powerful they think the spell is going to be once that animal is tortured and sacrificed. Unbelievable. Yeah. It, it's, it boggles the mind, especially when this is, in, in, like you said, an endangered species. Especially, I mean, right now, the endangered species that we have in Florida in general are the manatees, the Florida panthers. Yeah, if they could get their hands on Florida panthers, um, it, would be, it would be diamonds for them, not even gold. Not even gold. It, it, it would be, it would, it would... It would be like water in the Sahara. Yeah, it would be a cure-all for them, um, for a spell. So it, it's, these people are such an incredible threat to everything living, um, not just in Florida, but to throughout the world. Because um, we're, seeing, we're seeing these sacrifices um, everywhere from Africa, um, all over the globe. Wow. And it's, uh, it's, a scary, it's a scary process. Right now, I'm still, it boggles the mind completely how, many, how much of these animals are getting tortured for what you consider religion. Mm -hmm. And then um, and they believe that the more torturous it is and the more the animal suffers, the better it's going to be overall in general. Mm -hmm. Is this where you also met Freedom's Flight? Can you tell us about him? Yeah, Freedom's Flight was my first visit to an illegal slaughterhouse um, helping one of the investigators from the SPCA. And Freedoms was at a property called Manuel Cotos, illegal slaughterhouse. Manuel Coto. Manuel Coto. Um, he is 
almost considered the, the godfather of illegal horse slaughter in the United States and runs a monster, a very large illegal slaughterhouse. Is he an actual person? Oh, yeah. Um, he was just recently arrested for horse slaughter and selling the meat, um, and he was let off the hook. Um, all, all the evidence collected perfectly and arrested by law enforcement and the state attorney of Miami-Dade County let him off the hook. Um, no jail time, no prison time. And remember, stemming from our investigations of horse slaughter, we helped create the Good Horse Slaughter Act. Stemming from our investigations, which is the strongest animal cruelty law in history of the United States. And it basically states, if you possess, slaughter, transport, um, buy or sell horse meat in the state of Florida, it's mandatory a uh, one to five years in federal prison, okay. or in state prison, I'm sorry, and a $3,500 fine. There's no other law like it in the United States. It's only for Florida? Or is this it's only for Florida. Ah. Um, because of the amount of illegal horse slaughter that we have here. Interesting. To protect our, our, our horses. But there are, all the, there are other uh, horse meat trade outside of, the, of Florida. Not legally. No. All, all horse meat in the United States is illegal no, right no, now. What I'm referring to, that oh. they do have illegal slaughterhouses. Texas, New York, uh, California, anybody, any state could have this? Um, right now, no. Right now, the, the USDA is not inspecting horse meat for human consumption, making all horse meat in the United States illegal. Wow. So it, it, it is illegal throughout the, the states, although it's a felony charge in the state of Florida. Florida. Um, so Manuel Cotto was given a free ticket. Um, you know, just don't do it again, basically the but state attorney said. Less than that. Um, so now, um, is Manuel Cotto slaughtering horses once again? Maybe. This is all he's ever done. Is he torturing other animals? Possibly. Um, you know, he'll be looked into later on. But um, again, Freedom's Flight wasn't Manuel Cotto's. He was there for human consumption. And he was going to be slaughtered. Um, he, was, he was riddled with disease and injuries. He, this was a very famous racehorse that broke his leg at uh, Gulfstream Park, oh. one of the, you know. We do a lot of, pro uh, anim uh, not anim sorry, Anonymous for the Voiceless, mm -hmm. do um, many protests there, other organizations do as well, but yes. Yeah, so Freedoms broke his leg there, and then he went to Manuel Cotto's for meat. Luckily enough for him, uh, we went in and rescued him, and I adopted him. And we tracked his lineage through his tattoo number that all racehorses are oh. tattooed on the inside of their upper lip for ID purposes. So they're tattooed on the inside to see what their lineage is from. Interesting. Correct. Oh. So you can basically track any racehorse in the United States by that tattoo number from when they were foaled and born okay. to that day. So they can get to find out who their pedigree is, like who their, how do you say, their dam and their... Yeah, sire. And their sire. Um, so, yeah, where they were born, but where they were born as well, what barn, what, what breeder, what state... Where did they race? How many races did they compete in? Um, where were they living right, basically, as I'm reading that tattoo number, or once they were sold from that racetrack to a place like Manuel Cotos? So I tracked who sold um, Freedom's Flight to Manuel Coto. So I found out how we got there. Are you allowed to tell me? It was, Mar was Marion Brill and another pony handler. So the ponies that, that guide the racehorses on the track, yes. um, you'll see a rider on a horse grab the racehorse. Yes. Those people, some of those people have connections with the illegal slaughter industry. And they're getting their hands on these horses 
um, for little to no money and then making a couple bucks by selling them for meat to the places that we're investigating. You understand? So now, but anyway, now, you know, years later, um, feet from me, actually right now, um, Freedom Slight is here at Arm Sanctuary oh, wow. and living a very healthy, um, happy life. He's the happiest horse in the world and um, very, very protected horse as well. Because a, a lot of these bad guys would love to get to me and the other investigators of ARM and uh, get their hands on them. Hence the reason why it was a secret. And um, we, for the ones who are listening to us, we did have to sign confidentiality paperwork. We had to be under complete secrecy for this, um, for this podcast. So thank you again for letting us come in. But can you tell us from Freedom's Flight who his damn sire were? Um, well, his grandfather was Secretariat. Right, the, the famous the, racehorse. The, famous racehorse. The, the horse that actually came out of the Time magazine back in the 1960s. <laughs> yeah, you got it. So that was his grandfather. Um, his, but his father was Pulpit. Pulpit um, was one of the, another one of the more famous racehorses in the United States. Kentucky Derby racer, um, you know, tri- triple crown candidate. Um, and, but, it, but what it did was show me that not only horses... But if a multi-multi-million-dollar champion racehorse can end up at a slaughterhouse, an illegal slaughterhouse, and, and, and just be brutalized and tortured um, so easily, how about all the other animals? How about all the other horses and sheep and goats and cows and birds and everything else out there? What are they experiencing that don't have a voice and don't have the lineage that Freedom Slight had? Um, but which didn't even it, it didn't matter. No, um, it, it didn't matter. But taking into account his lineage, and taking into account, let's say, uh, a, just an average goat that's born, mm-hmm. right? Um, I wanted to look into. I've already looked into the. At that point, I've already looked into the racehorse industry and the horse slaughter industry. Okay. I wanted to see. The other animals, the, the, the animals that hadn't been looked at under a microscope by really anyone, um, starting in South Florida and then moving on internationally and nationally, um, of what they're experiencing in the illegal slaughter industry and the legal factory farm industry. And I'm talking about the pigs and the goats and the sheep and everything else. And what I started, what ARM started to um, reveal to not only our investigators ourselves, but to the, to the world through um, the media was, wow, these animals are in trouble. Um, the way they're being handled, the way they're being processed, the way they're being killed. Um, you know, an illegal slaughterhouse, they'll just pick a pig up and drown it in boiling water, unstunned. Um, they'll just stab it to death, unstunned. There's no stunning involved here. Right? There's no high voltage of electricity that will at least knock the animal out for a moment. Um, these animals are being skinned alive. I'm, you know, weeks ago, myself and our other investigators were undercover in illegal slaughterhouses, and we're standing over goats that are being completely skinned as they're screaming. Um, and we're thinking, okay, just please put a bullet in this animal's head ended for this poor animal. Um, you know, you, 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 as an investigator, you, you, you consistently put yourself in the position of the animal, 
right? If that were me, I would give anything for a bullet in the head. That's how drastic and torturous that these animals uh, are experiencing, right? Um, it's, it's, the, it's, it's what I require from all of our investigators is to be able to take yourself and put yourself in the animal's position. And until you can do that, you don't understand. You don't understand the brutal torture that that animal's experiencing, especially when it's being skinned alive. Could you even imagine? Could you imagine being put into a big boiling cauldron and, and trying to, to, to claw your way out of boiling water, only to have a guy standing above you taking a shovel, putting it to your throat, and putting your head under boiling water and drowning you now, fully conscious, fully alive, drowning you in boiling water, and that's your death. And that's, what, and that's how a lot of these animals are being killed. Um, it's not what a lot of people want to see. No, and they don't want to hear that. They think, oh, well, it was humane slaughter. There's no such thing, ma'am, or yeah. sir. There's no such thing. Yeah. There's no such thing as humanely killing. There's no such thing as a bolt to the head. There's no such thing as stunning. There's no such thing as humanely anything mm-hmm. with uh, any form of dairy product or any form of meat product. Yeah. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. Yeah. There's no such thing. Oh, but what about your, we're adding free range? No, ma'am. Mm-hmm. That's just wording. That means that they're adding two more feet into the cage. Or maybe they're just opening the door of the cage. Mm-hmm. If you're able, with your little legs, even though you've been injected with so much hormone, to step outside, mm-hmm. that is considered free range. Yeah, that's what true. What about grass-fed? Mm-hmm. Well, dead gray hay is not grass. Yeah. But it's all in the wording. It's all about the promotion that they come with. It's all in their PR. Well, what people don't understand is, you know, grass-fed, let's say the beef industry, and a lot, of, a lot of the beef industry and the cows do grow up in big green pastures. We're surrounded by, you know, the beef industry in the state of Florida and beyond. Um, the problem is what people aren't taking into account is when that cow leaves the, that green pasture and gets onto the transports and gets into the auction houses and gets into the feedlots, and then goes into the slaughterhouses. That's where the misery starts. Um, so people aren't taking into account, yeah, that, that, that beef for a certain time period is, is, you know, that animal is grazing in a pasture, but, okay, how about the next year of that animal? No one's talking about that. No one's talking about the brutal transport of that animal. Um, and the auction houses and just the scary process. It's, it's a frightening process. I've been through the process with the animals. And it's, it's sad and it's frightening. We use a lot of your footage when, um, with the Anonymous for the Voices chapters from Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Um, we use some of your footage that, that you have provided. And that's where a lot of people actually stop and they're like, what is this? And then they start asking questions. Yeah. You know, the, the, it's, it's why, again, I keep saying the whole... Um, teamwork thing. It's the undercover investigators who we are. We do have a humane education division as well that are getting out and educating the public. Um, But organizations like your own that are taking our footage and putting it in front of people, um, it's so incredibly important. It's part of the reason why we do what we do in going in undercover in, let's say, factory farms, because we know organizations um, such as the South Florida vegans and others um, 
are using that footage to educate. It's all about education. Um, even though we do so much media, you know, we've done everything from ESPN and MTV, all over CNN, the BBC, um, Inside Edition, uh, National Geographic, the Discovery Channel, but there's only so much media that you can do. When you get up close and personal with the people at certain events and putting, let's say, our dairy footage in front of them and saying, oh, I'm sorry, you thought that the calf and the baby stay with their mother? No, let me shoot you into reality because they're not for, with their mother for a second no. of their lives. People don't know that. My, my own family members, up until we did our investigation in Okeechobee and the dairies, didn't know that. The law enforcement officers and the detectives at the Okeechobee Police Department and the Sheriff's Office didn't know, and these are beef people, they didn't know that the calves were pulled from their mothers at birth. They asked us in our depositions when we went, right before they were making arrests at Dean Foods, and they said, this is the leading de lead detective, and he said, Kudo, at what age are the calves weaned from their mothers, basically separated from their mothers, which is a process Correct. for all animals? Yes. And I said, weaned at a certain age. There is no age, they're, they're pulled at birth. The second that they hit the cement. They're pulled from their mother. Their mother never sees them. And that detective looked at me and he, and he turned his head and he said, uh, he questioned me on it. And I said, look at our footage again. And we educated that detective. Um, living and growing up in the beef industry in Okeechobee. Because he never set foot in a dairy. He drove by him every day. Mm -hmm. But he didn't know what was going on behind closed doors. That's what the saying says, if the slaughterhouse or the dairy industry had glass walls, yeah. nobody would the whole thing will crumble. Which is why it's important for the investigator to get in there. It's, it's why certain states have ag-ags, um, so they keep that wall up, Correct. right? But now we're starting to see ag-ags crumble that are already in place um, because they're unconstitutional, right? Just happened in, in uh, Iowa, I believe. Um, it, it was deemed unconstitutional, and you're gonna see that over and over again. So the politicians that are protecting the factory farm world that are you know, getting their pockets basically greased by these factory farm owners and the lobbyists um, are gonna see their work crumble um, in the incoming months to years because it is unconstitutional. Um, and really, they're, they're, it, how, how incredible for these politicians to make it illegal for someone to document a felony or a misdemeanor crime for any, any, for, for any reason, not just animals. Video. Yeah, they don't want anybody videoing or taking pictures inside or anything like that. Yeah. Tell me about your investigators. Is it very hard? I mean, I'm sure it is difficult. I cannot imagine doing that type of work, but I know it's necessary. Any of them are, what are their experiences? Like, what do they tell you about their experiences in their undercover work? Well, we hire, we're, we're a little bit different than some of the other organizations out there. We hire straight out of the US military. Um, so I will go to the US military myself and recruit people that are being honorably discharged. Okay. So what that's doing is giving our servicemen um, a very good paid salary and very, very interesting and ethical work for themselves getting straight out of the military. Um, we hire ex-law enforcement, ex-detectives from various sheriff's offices. 
So these guys, the, the ex-military and the ex-law enforcement, are seasoned and they already have a certain amount of training for what we're, what we're doing, right? Our, daily, our already day, day routine. For the harshness of it. You got it, yeah. Um, and then we also have just our regular civilian that we take off the street okay. um, and we train from the ground up. Um, I am trained by Blackwater, which is a ex-government contractor, a lot of ex-special forces. Um, they took me in and trained me, and I now train our investigators as we're doing today. We have a brand new investigator. And this is a guy straight off the street. He has no experience whatsoever. So I'm training him with my experience. We have a ex-military um, operative that is training him as well. And we have an ex-seasoned, uh, newly retired deputy detective that's also training him. So he's getting a little bit, bit, you know, bits and pieces of all of our expertise. He will then train at Arm Sanctuary, which is part of the reason why we have the sanctuary. It's not just for the animals, it's for the investigators as well. So a lot of, a lot of organizations, they train their investigators in, the back, in their backyard. Mm -hmm. um, they'll put a cage up with a stuffed animal in it and they'll train that way. Well, here at Arm Sanctuary, we're training with live animals. We're training in our fields, um, in our cattle fields for the dairy industry. They're actually working with mother cows. They're actually working with calves. Um, so by the time, so you know, pig slaughterhouses, well, they're out, they're feeding, they're administering medications to our pigs. Um, so these guys are not only aiding in the care of our animals, and helping with the animals at Arm Sanctuary, but they're being trained for undercover operations in the field. Mm -hmm. It's a very unique property. There's nothing else like it in the world. We're creating something very special here, and it's new for us. The factory farm division is new for us, but it is, it is all working, and the factory farm world is gonna be in deep, deep trouble very soon because of the amount of investigators we're investigating, we're, we're training here that we're sending all over the globe. And these guys, they do not leave this property until they are the most seasoned investigator on the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. And they know what they're doing. Um, With your investigators, are there, can you tell me some of the requirements that they need? Do you have to do a background check on them? Oh yeah, thoroughly. We rip their lives apart. <laughs> so we work on the same system as law enforcement. Um, so, let's say someone is arrested for a crime or stopped even for a traffic violation. The information that comes up in that officer's screen from the license of that person, we work off the same system. Okay. So in, in a moment, I can find out a person that is interviewing for a job here, where they've been from the first time they were issued a state ID to today. Mm -hmm. If they were stopped for a traffic violation yesterday, that's gonna come up on our system. You got it. It's, it's something that we have to look out for. What do you say then in the military, uh, double agent? Yeah, like sure. Uh, you know, will, will we have or have we had people that have tried to infiltrate our compound? Yes. Possibly. Um, we have to be very, very careful of that. Careful of that. Um, but the people that are responding to our ads or thinking of going undercover in this property, they need to understand what they're getting into, how seasoned and how smart our people are. And hardcore. 
and hardcore we are. Yeah, it would be extremely dangerous. So that person, uh, this, we're not a factory farm. It would be extremely dangerous for them to try to get in this property. Yes. Yeah, yeah. we came in. There were multiple cameras, uh, multiple checkpoints. Yeah. <laughs> From what I saw, me and, uh, and Sean were like, huh. Yeah. What have we gotten ourselves into? Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the, um, the sanctuary. You did say you have multiple animals. You have multiple areas. Yeah, all of our sanctuaried animals, we are not open to the public to take any animal on site. Um, we are only um, geared, armed sanctuary is only geared to support the animal recovery mission. So all of our animals on site come from the raids in the properties that we have investigated. Yeah. So when we, when we investigate an illegal slaughterhouse and we raid it, those animals come, to, come here. And they go into quarantine. Um, and we do not adopt our animals out unless you are a certified protected sanctuary as well. Correct that we have a very good relationship with. We don't adopt our animals out to any Joe on the street. Um, to, that, what that does is make sure that that animal doesn't fall into bad hands once again. The wrong hands again. You got it. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So the animals come here to heal, to rest, get the medication, the vet care that they require, and hopefully heal from their trauma, their yeah. psychological trauma yeah. of everything that, they live, that they've lived through. Yeah, once they get through that, that, that wall, that emotional, that mental and physical, um, once they're out of danger, then they, they're loose into our green pastures for life, and they never leave. To live, to live happily ever after, pretty much. Yeah. And then w w what they are are, um, you know, th they're basically fed and loved, and the investigators are lucky enough to have them and go out and learn how to handle them. And spoil them. And spoil them, yeah. Um, but where Arm Sanctuary, again, is differs is that we are, they're also a, an education, an educational unit for a person to go out and investigate and shut down some of the larger animal torture operations in the world. Whereas most sanctuaries, the animals are there and they're fed and loved every day. Um, but other, you know, after that, they're educationally, um, I, I really do want to want to say not doing much, mm -hmm. other than living. Li they are living a great life, but here we're educating the investigator. We're training the investigator to help millions, if not billions, of animals. So at Arm Sanctuary right now, we have roughly 300 animals here. But from those 300 animals, we're also affecting millions and millions of animals through that investigator training with them. It's very different, um, and it's working. I mean, if you have laws now that are happening here only in Florida, imagine if somebody else also did the work that you did in the other states. Yeah. It would impact even more millions of animals, if not billions. Sure. That is very amazing. Yeah. Thank you so very much to Kudo and to the ARM family. Remember, animal recovery missions. Got it. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you so much. Thank you.